You're listening to the Metro LA Podcast, an official podcast of the LA International Church of Christ. Good morning. Over the last few weeks, we've heard some amazing lessons from some of the other Soul Sisters, and they have uh, had some great insight into some things. Uh, Michelle and Grace talked about how our thoughts become us, and then Latanya discussing work it out. And the incredible thing about this is even though we are still in a pandemic, still at home, still isolated, there's so many things we've been able to learn and glean from so many uh, lessons that sisters have really been able to teach us at this time. So I'm excited to be able to be here today and to share with you some things that I've been going through that, that some things that I've learned and seen and some things that God's word has also taught me. So without much further ado, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the time to be able to have a devotional and to be able to take a break from whatever we're doing, whatever day it is, whether it's a weekday or a Saturday or or whatever, to be able to reflect on your word and the many things that you teach us at, at different times in our life. I know how much uh, the your word affects us in different ways, depending on what we're going through, Father. And, and that's just the amazing thing about your word and how powerful it is. Father, we love you so much. I pray that uh, this will both help and inspire and equip um, anyone who's listening, as well as myself, Father. Thank you so much, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. While I was thinking about this, I, I, I started to think that uh, I interact with a lot of people during the day. And it's really interesting because even though most of my professional associates are still working from home at this time, people have been saying that they're really tired. At this point. And these are people that I have more longer term relationships with from a, from a business uh, point of view. And it, it started to hit me that I'm hearing more of, well, I'm tired. And the interesting thing about it is they're still working from home. And, you know, I started to think and ask and, and, you know, what I'm hearing is, well, you know, I'm tired of all of these virtual interactions, you know, as opposed to being able to have interpersonal interactions with people. And, you know, that's that's uh, that's kind of unusual because in Los Angeles, a lot of times we're tired because we're sitting in traffic. And when you think about it, you don't have to go out and fight the traffic and, and, and all of that that we have to deal with every day. But people are tired at this point and they're tired from being home and having to deal with a lot of the things that go along with the pandemic. And this is interesting to me because I started working from home a number of years ago. Um, my job is um, interesting. I manage my husband's medical practice and I'm not clinical. So I do the administrative, the managerial, the accounting, the legal part of managing his practice. And so I can do that from a distance. And since I'm not clinical, there's no point in me being in the office a lot of days because I just thought quite honestly would be in the way. So 
Uh, what I did a number of years ago when I decided I think I'll work more from home is I'm going to make my work environment conducive to me. So I will, you know, I'll put a couch over here and I'll make a, make make sure I have a comfortable chair, footrest. I even felt like, you know what, I work long hours, sometimes till 10 at night. I'm even going to mount a TV in the corner. If I'm going to be here, I might as well like where I am. So I thought, well, you know what, this will help me not to be tired of working so many long, hard hours from home. But what I realized about a lot of my business colleagues was they didn't share that work from home enthusiasm. I talked to person after person who was telling me, I don't like this anymore. Okay. This thing is taking too long. It's taking longer than I thought it would take. And it's not just the working from home. It's like I said, it's all the other stuff that goes along with working from home. You know, and one of the things I was thinking about is we get into different situations in our life and it's really not about the cards you're dealt. It's about how you play your hand, you know, and we didn't ask for this. We didn't ask for a stay at home order or a pandemic and COVID-19 and things like that. But that's the hand we've been dealt here. And especially in the United States where the pandemic has been so ravaging and, and so difficult and terrible. But also when you think about the analogy of it's not about the card you're dealt, it's how you play your hand. The other part of that that's really important is then you need to play the hand you were dealt like it was the hand that you wanted. You know, and that'll do something with helping in, you know, your joy, your acceptance for whatever situation you're in. Now, of course, that's a whole lot easier said than done. So after listening to some some people and, and, and talking with them on the phone and all, I realized, of course, not everyone, a lot of people are not exactly excited about this new adventure that we, we're in. And it's really not that new anymore because we've been in it about a year. I still personally believe it's God's plan because I think God is in control of everything. He's in full control. You know, Psalm 115 says our God is in heaven. He does whatever pleases him, you know, and, you know, even though by faith, yes, we believe that God is in control and, and it is his plan, what we're going through right now. Still, many people and even myself at times are not exactly sharing on the enthusiasm of our new lifestyle that we're in during this pandemic, you know? So when you think about it, we're, we're still in this, it's been a year, you know, and a lot of times we wonder what, what, it, what is, you know, God's plan? What, what should we be doing? How should we be, you know? And you think about what is God trying to do with us? And I know as a Christian, I think a lot of times, what does God want from me in this situation? You know, and we know that really for the Christian, when you think about it, heaven is not the goal. Heaven is our destination. Our goal here on earth is to become like Christ, for Christ to be formed in us. When you look at the words of the Apostle Paul, when he says in Galatians, he says, I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. 
to the Romans, he said, those whom God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. And then to the Corinthians, he said, all of us with unveiled faces, seeing the glory of the Lord as though reflected in a mirror are being transformed into the same image. You think about it. In one passage, he says, Christ is formed. The next, we must be conformed. And then in the other one, until we are transformed. The summary of, of our, our being, our existence as Christians is to be formed, conformed and transformed into the image of Jesus Christ while we're here. But sometimes that forming, conforming and transforming in order to get there, we've got to go through some hardships, some hard times, hardships. They will happen. They're going to come. If Jesus went through them, it's going to happen to us, too. And there's all kinds of hardships that we're seeing. And there's all kinds of hardships that people experience. Health hardships, financial hardships, relational hardships, emotional hardships, mental hardships, spiritual hardships, and this, the all-encompassing life hardships, you know. And instead of embracing the process, it's human nature that we want to get out of the process, not embrace it. We're wondering, when will this be over? When is this going to end? Like I said, it's been going on for just about a year now, almost a year of being in this pandemic, almost a year of being under stay-at-home orders where our lives have changed, where we have to wash our hands, watch our distances, wear masks, and we are still in it. And as I talked to a number of people who were telling me, I'm just tired and I am just not happy as much anymore with this. You know, it reminded me of Moses in the book of Exodus, you know, and we look in Moses and Jethro in Exodus chapter 18, starting in verse 13. And I'll read that quickly. It says the next day, Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people and they stood around him from morning till evening. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, what is this you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone as judge with all these people? Would all these people stand around you from morning till evening? Moses answered him, because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it is brought to me and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. Moses' father-in-law replied, what you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen now to me and I will give you some advice and may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them his decrees and instructions and show them the way they are to live and how to behave. But select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain and import them as officials of a thousands, hundreds, fifties and tens. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you. The simple cases they can decide themselves that will make your load lighter because you will share it, because they will share it with you. If you do this 
and God so commands, when God so, so commands, you better do it. You will be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. You know, this was an interesting passage because what it said is Moses was weary and the people were dissatisfied. And the first step point I want to make is sometimes weariness and dissatisfaction and dissatisfaction can be an organizational issue. He was sitting alone as judge over all the people that were coming and standing before him from morning till night. And his father-in-law said, this is too much for you. Okay, let's change things around a bit. Appoint people to handle these easier cases and you just deal with the difficult ones. Weariness and dissatisfaction. Sometimes you need to try to reorganize so you can stand the strain of the changes that are going on, of the hardships that are happening. Now, you might say, well, you know what? I don't have a bunch of people at my disposal that I can put over this thing in my life and that thing in my life. But on the other hand, you don't have the whole town sitting there at your door with all of their disputes either. But when you think through what's going on, there probably are things you can do and are ways that you can reorganize so that you can stand up under the strain or the hardships that are going on right now. You may still have your children at home. They're not in school. They're not doing the things that they were doing before we were in still of a lockdown. Okay, so maybe you can change their schedule so it matches yours and you'll be able to, to do more. The point is, Thinking through and reorganizing your life and reorganizing it so that the priorities that you still feel you need to have, you still have. And that's what Moses had to do. And that's what his father-in-law told him, you know. And when you think through things, if it's causing you weariness and dissatisfaction, reevaluating and reorganizing. Sometimes reorganizing things or or. The fact that we are weary and dissatisfied could be an organizational issue. I know one of the things that I was trying to do was, you know, with working from home and some of the things changing and my workload has increased significantly. And, you know, I also wanted to get exercise. So I power walk each day because I have a bunch of things I have to mail each day. So I power walk to the mailbox each day. And, you know, because I'm also working, I have to take my phone because I'm expecting phone calls, you know, from from business colleagues and all like that. But I also felt like, you know, you also need to it's good to walk the dog to take him with you. So each day I would power walk to the mailbox and I my phone, I have it hanging around my neck in a case and I've got the dog and I've got the mail and I hang my glasses on my shirt when I walk and I have a mask because I'm supposed to, you know, have a mask on when I go out. And, you know, so I power walk and I try and do all of this, you know, and, and sometimes it can be a little bit cumbersome because I got the mail, I got the dog, I got the dog, the dog's bag because, you know, you got to pick up after the dog and things like that, you know, but by and large it was going pretty well. You know, and so one of the days I'm, I'm power walking to do all of this. And, and one of the things I was realizing is I, I don't really look forward to this as much anymore. But you know what? You, this is what you do. This is how you're doing it. So I did it one day. And then when I, I got home, um, you know, I, I, I looked around and I said, oh, OK, let me check my phone. A couple of people had sent me messages 
And I said, oh, I, where's my glasses? I can't, I can't see my phone. And then I looked around for my glasses in the house. And I said, hmm, I wonder what my glasses are. Looked everywhere and I remembered I hung them on my shirt before I, I went out. So I decided, okay, well, let me power walk back out there and look for them, okay, because maybe I just dropped them and didn't hear them as I was power walking with all my mail and the dog and things like that. And lo and behold, after retracing my steps, and actually I asked my son who had come home from work to, could you retrace my steps and look for my glasses? And I had driven. We figured out, you know what you did? When you mailed the mail, you also threw your eyeglasses in the mailbox, you know? And I, I thought about, okay, this is not working. You have got to reevaluate what you're doing. Because even though you want to do all of these things, this isn't good for you. Number one, you don't even like it anymore. Number two, definitely you're dissatisfied because now you have no glasses and you can't see. And number three, you're, you're tired. Reevaluate, reorganize. If you're going to power walk to the mailbox, do it by yourself. You're going to walk the dog, do it by yourself. But you can't do all of this, you know? So I had to change up what I was doing there because I had already lost my glasses. There's a number of things that I've had to reorganize over the past year so that I was not weary and dissatisfied. Okay? And that's one of the things that. I just realized you just have to reevaluate and reassess how you're doing things sometimes. Second thing I want to talk about is our relationships. The relationships that we've got and the relationships we're building during this pandemic. And the point I want to make is our relationships must transcend the roles we've got. You might need, you might have a need for reorganization, you know, but a stronger need that we've all got in our lives is relationships, especially during these times of isolation. People are experiencing isolation like never before. And as Christians, we talk about the fact that we really want to be there for people, you know, but a lot of people are very lonely right now. And why do you think people are just clamoring for restaurants to reopen and bars to reopen reopen, and clamoring to get things back to normal and go places? A lot of it is because of a lack of relationship. And that's where I think that we can definitely be there to meet people's needs and share with them what we've got. Okay, and I know sometimes we think, well, you know, you you can't you know, we can only meet people through Zoom and you really can't get deep over a computer screen. Yes, you can. When you think about it, years ago, people would get deep over a letter, words on a piece of paper that they would drop in a mailbox to people. Okay, people would get deep over the telephone, building relationships. If you can get deep over a letter in the phone, you can definitely get deep over audiovisual with a video screen. That's what we've got right now. Uh, we didn't think that we would be able to do church virtually for such a long time, but we have, and we've been able to do it, and we've been able to reach more people than if we had not been doing it this way. We can learn from a screen. We can be entertained by a screen. If we can do that, we can certainly build relationships over a screen. I'm not saying it's a replacement for interpersonal conduct at all, but it can work. We just have to think about 
how to make it work and what to do. One of the things LaTanya asked in her lesson was, how are you building everlasting relationships? And we need to build relationships with people on all levels, people that we consider our peers, people that might be at a higher level than us, people who we might be over, people at all different levels. And you say, well, how do you build those relationships with people that may be over you at a higher level, your bosses or other people like that, you know, by being real, by opening up, by being yourself. We need to be reminded all the time that you as a Christian are a child of the king. A lot of times we don't feel like a child of the king, you know, but think about it. If you really are the child of the king and the security and confidence that you have. And I know sometimes it's intimidating, especially to reach out to those who we might think are more accomplished than us, are more educated than us, maybe that speak better than us. But the important thing is people are people. They all need what you have to understand how God loves them, how God sacrificed for them, for them, uh, the things and the promises that God has for them. They all need what we've got. Be confident in who you are. Be secure in who God made. Remember that expression, I know I'm somebody because God don't make no junk. And, you know, that was one that, you know, we think about and we'd laugh. But that's not very different from what he says in Psalm 139, where he says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made, you know. And, you know, we think about that. We say, oh, yeah, that's God's word. Well, you know what? God does not make junk. And he made you. He created you. That's who you are. I was telling this to a friend earlier this week, you know, and she retorted, well, being secure and being confident, you know, is a whole lot easier said than done. I said, yeah, you know what? That's true. But one thing I, I was thinking about is the older I get, the more secure I become. And I think there's a couple of reasons for this. I think number one is the older I get, I have a lot more experience to draw on. You know, I've been through more things, and so you have more experiences, and maturity is a function of different experiences. So I have more experience to draw on, but I think also, even more importantly, is the older I get, the more I've seen a lot of what God has done in my life. You notice how older women a lot of times seem to be more confident and more secure? Well, they do have a lot of experience to draw on. I was reading this funny thing that talks about the different stages of women, you know, and how women look at themselves. Bear with me for a minute. It says a woman at age three, she looks at herself in the mirror and she sees a queen. At age eight, she looks at herself and she sees Cinderella. At age 15, she looks at herself and she sees Cinderella's ugly sister. Mom, I can't go to school like this no matter what. At age 20, she looks at herself and she sees too fat, too thin, too short, too tall, too straight, too curly. But she decides she's going out anyway. At age 30, she looks at herself and she sees too fat, too thin, too short, too tall, too straight, too curly. But decides she doesn't have time to fix it. So she's going out anyway. At age 40, she looks at herself and she sees, well, it's clean. And she goes out anyway. 
At age 50, she looks at herself and she sees, I am, and goes wherever she wants to go. At age 60, she looks at herself and reminds herself of all the people who can't even see themselves in the mirror anymore, and she goes out and conquers the world. At age 70, she looks at herself and sees wisdom, laughter, and ability, and she goes out and enjoys life. At age 80, she doesn't even bother to look. She just puts on a purple hat and goes out to have fun with the world. You say a purple hat. Why? A purple hat. Why not? She is confident. She's secure. She knows who she is and she doesn't even need to look anymore. You know, as women, we are usually the more sympathetic, the more empathetic, the more compassionate gender. But our reputation is a lot of times we're the more insecure as well. I'm not saying you don't ever have to talk about your insecurities. They're there. And insecurities do not make you less of a person. They make you human. But if you do talk, discuss them, you talk about them with the right people. You talk about them with people who can help you. You talk about them with people who can do something and help you increase your faith in who you really are as a child of the king. And when you do that, you realize you can build relationships with people and share things with people and really reach them. Relationships and the security we need to have in relationships with others because of who we are. In your different walks of life, what do you remember? Do you remember the relationship or do you remember the role? It's always the relationship. In 1 Timothy 5, 1, the Bible talks about this, and he's talking to men about talking to older men, but what he says is, do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. There are times when we do need to say things to people over us, whether they're older than us or more accomplished than us, or maybe our bosses or people like that. And we need to do so, but we need to do so respectfully. You know, I was talking to a friend that was telling me my boss is crazy. I don't know how to talk to him, but he's always looking over me. I have to send things to him before I send them out. He's always checking stuff. And what I said to her was I said, you got to keep in mind that leaders, bosses, they're not always in touch with the things they've asked you to cover. That's why they've asked you to cover it. And that's one of the things you, you need to explain to them that. I got this, you know, you asked me to cover it, you know, and, and I can cover it, you know, and I think that that's so important, you know, with people that we are reaching, you know, when they think about what's going on and the people in our lives and the people, whether they're over us, the same as us, under us or whatever, this is a time that God has allowed and it has his people longing for relationships. People are in virtual Zoom groups all day. But those aren't building relationships. I mean, I was in three of them today, one at seven o'clock this morning. Believe me, we're not building relationships in those kind of, of groups. But the meetings that we're having in the church where, OK, we have a midweek, we're having a group afterwards. We're talking about what's going on in our lives. We're intensifying and building those relationships with one another. And we are filling relationship voids in, in our lives. And when you think about it, the world does not have that. And it's important that we don't lose sight of that. The final thing I think is that we need to learn how to listen and see things from the other side of the river. Our society right now has a lot of unrest. 
there's a lot of tension. There's a lot of racial injustice, social injustice. What do we do about it? Do we do anything about it? Do we even still need to be talking about this? And I'm not just talking about a black white thing. There are all kinds of injustices going on. Okay. There are injustices to foreigners, immigrants, black and brown people, handicapped people, poor people, homeless people, sick people. And so often we don't see all of this because we don't take time to see things from their side. And that's what's important. In Joshua chapter 22, beginning in verse 1, and I'm going to skip through this pretty quickly and read just the appropriate verses. But in Joshua chapter 22, verse 1, it says, Joshua summoned Reubenites and Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh, and he said to them, You've done all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded, and you've obeyed me in everything I commanded. In other words, these people, they were doing really well. He said, for a long time now to this very day, you have not deserted your fellow Israelites, but have carried out the mission the Lord your God gave you. Now that the Lord your God has given them rest as he that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you on the other side of the Jordan. But be very careful to keep the commandment and the law that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him and to keep his command. Then Joshua blessed them and sent them away and they went to their homes. You know, all these people went home. It says when Joshua sent them home, verse seven, he blessed them with great wealth, with large herds of livestock, silver, gold, bronze and iron. So they were to go home and leave the Israelites, but they were going home pretty well off. He didn't send them home empty handed, you know. So these people went home. It says they went home. And in verse 10, they came to Gililoth near the Jordan. And when they got home, they built an imposing altar there by the Jordan. Okay. Now in verse 13, in verse 12, it says, when the Israelites heard this, the whole assembly of Israel gathered at Shiloh to go to war against them. The Israelites sent Phineas over there. And he took some, he took chief men with him. And when they got there, Phineas said to them, the whole assembly of the Lord says, how could you break faith with the God from the Lord and build yourselves an altar in rebellion against him? So these people got on the other side of the Jordan and built this imposing altar. And the Jews assumed you built this altar in rebellion against God. And the uh, the Gadites and Reubenites responded, you know, that, well, wait a second. You think we built this against the Lord to rebel against him? They said, no, the mighty one, God, the Lord, he knows. He said, let Israel know if this has been in rebellion or disobedience, do not spare us to this day. If we built our own altar to turn away from the Lord and to offer burnt offerings and grain offerings and sacrifice, may the Lord himself call us to account. They said, no, we didn't do this in order to rebel against the Lord. They said, they said in verse 25, uh, we didn't do this to rebel against the Lord. The reason why we did this was we wanted to show our descendants that we share in the Lord with you. 
He said in verse 24, we did it for fear that someday your descendants might say to ours, what do you have to do with the Lord, your God of Israel? The Lord has made the Jordan a boundary between us. You have no share in the Lord. So your descendants might cause ours to stop fearing the Lord. Okay. So what they had to tell them was we didn't do this in rebellion. We did this as a witness so that we would show our descendants that we share in the Lord with you. Now, when the Israelites heard this, they said, oh, oh, okay, we get it now. All right, we're not going to go to war against you. Now we understand and we get it. Why am I sharing this to you with you? I'm sharing this because so often things happen And we don't see things from the other side of the river at all. When we listen and see things from the other side, we'll be able to relate to people and maybe understand why they do the things you do. So instead of a conflict or a war, they listened and an unnecessary war was averted. We cannot play someone else's hand. You cannot play someone else's hand, but you can learn how to think from the other side of the river. You can learn how to think from their perspective and from their side. And when we don't, we will not be able to relate and understand what other people may be going through. We'll never have the empathy of Jesus. We'll never be able to have the compassion of Jesus unless and until we start to see things from the other side of the river. There are so many things going on and what people are going through. When you think about DACA, which stands for Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, you know, and and how much, you know, children who were bought here from another country and don't have citizenship and what they must feel and what they must be going through to think that I could be deported from the only place that I've ever known, you know, and what they may be feeling. Then you can understand and think, That's why they're continuing to fight for this. Okay, being black in this country, I've been being black in the United States my whole life. Let me tell you, it is not easy. It is difficult. It has, you know, I've gone through ups and downs as as many, you know, black people have. But, you know, to 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 get to the point where, you know what? We, we want to continue to fight for social injustice. It's it's very important. Put yourselves in their shoes and you may start to understand. I've not been homeless. I've not been handicapped, but I need to think and listen from their side and understand what they're going through so that I can empathize. I can relate. Mother Teresa said about the poor, she said the poor, they don't want your money. They want your understanding. They don't want your old clothes. They want you to touch them. They don't want your pity. They want your respect. Now, when you think about it, you think, oh, the poor, don't they want money? She said, well, money will help, but they want your understanding. How did she know all of this? She walked in their shoes. She lived with them. She made it her point to be in Calcutta and be amongst the poorest of the poor. Okay, and in doing that, she learned how to see things from their side, from their perspective. You will get better when you visit the other side. And sometimes, just as the Bible said in Phineas, you may need to send other people across the bridge as well to see things. 
these are some of the things that I've been learning from the pandemic, being in isolation. If you're wearing dissatisfied, maybe it's an organizational issue. If if your relationships, if you're building relationships, build them deeply, especially now with people at all levels. And remember, our relationships must transcend the roles we have. If you're still wondering why are people harping on so many things, maybe you need to listen and think from the other side of the river. Why did it take a pandemic to help us see some of these things? You know, it's the pandemic that awakened us to the social injustices that are going on right now. I don't know. In the Old Testament, God used plagues, famines. In the New Testament, earthquakes, all kinds of things. But if an 80-year-old woman can put on a purple hat and feel like she can go out and conquer the world, probably because she's seen a thing or two in her day. How much more should we feel in knowing that we're a child of the king? How much more confidence and security should we have in knowing who we are as a child of the king? We should be even more secure. So putting on a purple hat should really be no big deal to us. Why? Because God is in full control. So let's learn the lessons now so it doesn't take another pandemic for us to start to see things even more so learn the things you need to learn. Okay, reorganize your life, put on a purple hat, knowing you're a child of the king and love and reach people. People need and want what you have. Please, let's not lose sight of that. They need and want what you have as Christ is being formed in you. It's been great being able to spend time with you this morning until we meet again. And I don't know when that's going to be because none of us really knows. But until we meet again, let's keep trying to grow closer to God until Christ is formed in each one of us. Thank you. You've just listened to the Metro LA podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit MetroLARegion.com 